This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. The countdown to opener continues, and we continue to look at the gems of Paul Bunyan country. Red Lake is definitely a gem. Tony Kennedy, the Large Lake Specialist out of the Bemidji Area Office, has the details. Plus, we'll go a little beyond Paul Bunyan country and check out Central Minnesota Fishing with Scott McIntune out of the Hutchinson Office. And Aaron Schmitz of Northwoods Bait and Tackle in to talk about the Bemidji Eagles Gary Newell Memorial Fishing Tournament presented by Northwoods Bait and Tackle. It's all coming up today on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrantHavenCampground.com and book your stay today. Well, as always, we like to spend uh, some time looking at the gems of Paul Bunyan country. And as, as, as our territory has expanded uh, into the Brainerd and Alex areas, we've got a lot more gems to look at. But one of them that's always going to be a, a gem is Red Lake. And Tony Kennedy is the largest lake specialist out of the Bemidji area office. And Red is one of the lakes he covers. Tony, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Yep, glad to do it, Kev. Well, one of the things we talked about, uh, or we touched on when we were talking about Cass Lake, uh, was the fact that it was not a great year on Red Lake last year. No, um, it was our it was some of our toughest catch rates, or the toughest catch rate that we've seen up there um, since the reopening. And you know, we had such an early ice out last year. I believe it was April third on the Upper Lake, which is I believe median is around April twenty second for the Upper Basin, and so basically three weeks early. And then it got hot, and you know everybody that fishes red knows that most of that pressure is on that first shoreline break. Uh, the closer we are to that walleye spawn, the more fish will be concentrated, and the better anglers will do. And um, last year they just you know were widely dispersed, and and it was just tough sledding up there. But it, but it's not a long term concern at all. No, no, I think that was you know the, it was the the environmental conditions more so than the fish population. Um, we were maybe a, we've been a little bit lighter on recruitment for a period. We had some just 
monster year classes, you know, record strong, um, like two years apart, like 10 years ago. And those fish carried that population for a long time. And we were still getting good recruitment every year. Uh, but we hadn't had a really, really strong one um, since 2011 until um, till we got into 2017 looks good, 2018 is pretty good, 2019 is the best since 2011. And those fish are sort of just this year now, those 19s will be three years old, and those will be great frying pan fish. So we were maybe a little bit short on, on fish of that size the last last year, but I, I really don't think it was a population issue as much as just, um, you know, the weather and the conditions of the hand we were dealt by Mother Nature. So what causes the fluctuations in, in uh, recruitment year to year? Or... Well, if I knew that, I... I, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, but, um, you know, environmental conditions are certainly one of them. Um, generally, we see stronger year classes with later ice outs, uh, which might be a little bit counterintuitive, but if you think about it, if, uh, walleyes are broadcast spawners where they broadcast those eggs over um, relatively coarse substrates like gravel. On the shoreline, if it's in lake spawning or up on a, a gravelly area, if they're river spawners. And the earlier we get ice out, the more likely we are to get those big cold fronts maybe two weeks later or three weeks later. Because after all, it's still, um, you know, the first week of May, perhaps, or the last week of April. And so it just seems like in those years where the ice goes out later, the water warms up, the fish spawn, it warms up continually. And uh, it just seems like whatever bottlenecks are there that cause that fry mortality, um, the likelihood of that happening just seems to be reduced. So that, that's not always true, but that's one of them. Certainly you have to have enough eggs in the system, and that's that's what we use to mo- uh, to manage red. You know, some people we hear sometimes they don't like how the regulation gets yo-yoed around a little bit, um, but the regulations are generally in response to how many mature females we have out there. They are. That is why they move. And that's our primary metric to use. You know, it's not number of fish per gillnet uh, or anything like that. It's how many... How many eggs are in the system? Because we know how many we would like to have in the system. And if we have what we view as the optimal number, then we have uh, a target harvest uh, for anglers. And if we're in surplus like we are sometimes, um, then we're a little bit more generous because we can remove some more of those larger fish um, and and get the population moved back towards that optimal condition. Uh, being optimal is how we defined it as having the right number of eggs in the lake um, you know, in those mature females, so that when the environmental conditions are right, we have the greatest likelihood of producing a strong year class. And, and that really is the backbone of Red Lake Management. We want to manage those adult females so when conditions are right, we can get those big year classes. The big year classes drive catch rates. Uh, lots of young fish, um, which generally come about by strong year classes, are what really send the rod for the angler. Um, you know, more balanced populations, let's say, where you just get a some similar amount of recruitment every year. You may not get quite as high a catch rate because the big, those big year classes are all in competition with each other and they feed heavily and, you know, they might chew down that forage a little bit and become a little more vulnerable to angling. Um, it just is sort of what makes these harvest fisheries tick. So what is the plan for leech this year as far as the limit goes? Um, yeah, so for Red Lake, we'll be, uh, we'll be at a four-fish bag limit with one fish allowed over 20 inches. And that's uh, the most liberal reg that we've had. Um, it's similar to what we had open water in 2019, uh, which was that same regulation. Um, and that's in response to being in the surplus. We had a couple years in optimal 
um, where we, we sort of pulled that population back to with the mature females being in the optimal spawning stock condition. And now some of those earliest of those stronger year classes from 2017 and 18 are, are reaching that mature population. We're seeing that on the upswing again. So we liberalized to, to allow anglers to remove some of those fish and, and sort of keep that population uh, around that optimal spawning stock range. Okay. Um, it, it's uh, it's a, a really amazing fishery when you think about it. I mean, it just, uh, once you, you know, did what you needed to do, worked with the various, uh, um, you know, stockholders, so to speak, uh, and, and, and put a plan together, it just took off. Um, so it, it's, it's a very potent uh, piece of water when it comes to walleye. Yeah. It, it's got so much spawning habitat on those shorelines, you know, they're probably, I mean, we see the fish in the rivers. Everybody knows the Tamarack River or the Black Duck River has, has a lot of fish in them. But when you think about how many millions of fish are in Red Lake, it's a very small portion of that population that runs up those rivers to spawn. There's, it has, you know, hundreds of miles of, of suitable spawning habitat and um, on those shorelines. And, and so the key to Red is having that, that's sort of part of what we learned in that process was when the fishery was collapsed, there, there weren't enough mature females in the population. The, Habitat-wise, things haven't really changed. But what what was you know when it was overexploited, the fish just weren't living long enough to reach sexual maturity. Whereas now we, that's like as I mentioned, that's the number one thing we keep track of. And if if there's the right number of eggs in that lake, you know we're going to be just fine. So that's that's what we're watching. The the other thing that uh, that happens on red uh, is you can come across some trophy northerns and certainly still can find some really good crappies. It's uh, it's not like it used to be, obviously, with the with the walleyes taking up a you know a large par- portion of the, uh, the the space these days, but they're still there. Oh yeah, we we've been actually been doing a, a northern pike assessment the last couple of springs, and and it's a good time to mention we are uh, floy tagging those fish, which is a um, kind of like a T bar anchor tag, uh, not dissimilar to what you might see on a T shirt that holds the the price tag on um, a plastic little T that, mm-hmm. that goes between the, the bones at the base of the fish's dorsal fin, and that has a unique number on it. We're tagging some fish. The band is tagging some fish. We just want to learn a little bit more about that northern population. Um, it's a relatively low-density population, which your listeners probably know means tends to be what brings us good quality. And um, it's just tremendous. The last year, we had 29. In fact, the last two assessments we've done, 29% of all female northerns were over 36 inches in the population. And if you contrast that with most of our smaller lakes, you're lucky to find a 36-inch fish, you know, in a in an assessment. So, it it really does have some incredible potential. What kind of pressure have we seen the last few years, both uh, soft water and hard water on red? Yeah, well, before I talk about total pressure, one thing that's perplexed us a little bit is um, targeted pike pressure. There's just not much targeted pike pressure for everything mm. that you know we just talked about. It just seems like there's not as many guys targeting those big pike like there was back around the time the fishery reopened. And, of course, at that time you couldn't fish walleye, so some of the guys were fishing northerns. And, um, but, you know, we've, we've tried a couple of different regulations up there. Right now the current pike regulation is 30 to 40-inch uh, protected slot with a bag limit of three and, you know, one fish allowed over 40 inches. But okay. we're having such a high-quality pike population, we, we are really perplexed that there aren't more anglers taking interest. But... Uh, as we're talking about total fishing pressure, um, it was down a little bit this last winter, as you might imagine, with mm-hmm. the high snow. Generally, these high snow years, 
uh, when the anglers can't get around as much and the roads are blowing shut and you know travel conditions from the cities aren't as good, um, it's a little bit lower. So we and and then last year in the open water season, uh, pressure was also only about half of what it had been the year before. Uh, just so, you know, people know people know the status of these bites, and when they know that the fish aren't biting, no one's going to make the trip. You know? Right, or fewer fewer people are going to make the trip. So, <laughs> so fishing pressure was off a little bit, but we're we've been sitting by and large um, winter pressure at you know just under two million angler hours the last few years. We the year before we might have even been up to like two point four or something. But um, you know, the thing to keep in mind about angler hours is it's it's becoming sort of an antiquated way to. To measure fishing pressure because uh, with the advent of the wheel fish houses, um, you know, there was always skid houses and that kind of thing where people spent the night. But it, it's become so popular now with the wheel houses that we, you know we count all those hours because there's rattle reels and pe- people are fishing and catching fish you know all night long when they when they're biting. And so um, you know it's not very fair to, to compare angler hours now to angler hours from the 1980s or even early 90s or even late 90s, but um, but we have seen an uptick, you know, just like everybody has, you know, mm-hmm. particularly in winter fishing. And um, so we're seeing, um, you know, we've been up to about, I think our peak was 85,000 angler trips, which is kind of a, the way we like to think about our pressure these days. You know, how many how many anglers made that trip to go up there and fish? Um, and we've been seeing, you know, in, in good favorable conditions, 65,000 to 80,000 angler trips. Wow. Um, That's a lot of people when you consider that the town of Waskers has a population of 52 people, right? Yeah, that, that's very uh, uh, The other thing that, that, of course, is going on there, like so many likes, uh, I know there's been a few zebra mussels found there, but there's been a lot of question as to what kind of effect it's going to have because it's such a unique uh, lake and a unique body of water. What are we seeing right now? Yeah, so a few more villagers, which is the larval form of zebra mussels, were found last summer. Uh, we have still not seen an adult anywhere. It's likely that at some point we will see some number of adults. Um, and I don't recall what year we found those first villagers, but I think there's been at least three summers where they've been sampled and possibly four. But, um, you know, there, there's clearly some adults out there somewhere that are reproducing, but it's at this point it's still very low density, so low that we can't find them yet. Nothing you can really measure at all, really. Right, yep. And so, you know, we don't, we still sort of view the, these conditions as, you know, pre-infestation levels or whatever. They're 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 not abundant enough to be having any potential, you know, effect. Right. Period. You know. So really, um, things just sailing right along on red. Maybe not the, as good a fishing as we had hoped the, the last couple of years, but not really having anything to do with the number of fish in the lake. Yeah, you know, the number of fish in the lake, does, it does go up and down a little bit, but last summer was really just the anomaly. This past winter was tough. Uh, we did really well. We harvested 100,000 pounds of fish in the month of December that we just had, um, and that's the third time maybe we've done 100,000 pounds in the month of December, so that was, you know, very strong, but then we got dumped on at the end of December. Travel gets restricted. Um, you know, we don't grow ice as fast, and... and we only harvested 34,000 pounds the rest of the winter. And, and that pattern has become, you know, fairly typical where we have high harvest early in the season and then it kind of tapers off. And, and some of that just flat out is pressure. Those, those fish negatively respond to those really high pressure areas, which as a manager is sort of convenient because, you know, everybody always says, well, look at all that pressure. Aren't you worried about it? And, um, well, we certainly, it's on our radar. 
I, I don't know that I'd say that I'm worried about it because when, when there's that much pressure up there, the fish just quit biting. Um, and, you know, Red Lake, a lot of where we're fishing is 8 or 10 feet deep. So if you look up at your ceiling and think about that as being the ice sheet, think about how noisy we are as anglers and plow <laughs> trucks and everything. And if you're 8 feet below that, I don't know that you're necessarily in the mood to bite. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really sort of a nice um, self-regulation aspect of, of Red Lake in the wintertime. Um, so that, that sort of helps mitigate some of those really high-pressure times. So as we get ready for this season, you know, uh, you were talking about uh, some really good year classes. So it sounds like, you know, we're on the brink of uh, some pretty good action, if not quite this year, definitely maybe later in the year, next winter and by next spring. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a ton of young fish in the population right now. And that really, you know, we, we, we got the population pulled back to optimal a couple of years ago, and, and we're sort of seeing the benefits of that. And it's, it's a little bit of a catch-22 up there because when we get the population in that optimal, we do um, oftentimes end up at the three-fish bag limit, one, one over 17, um, because our target harvest when we're in optimal, that's kind of where that's our sort of maintenance um, harvest level that keeps us there. And then when we get into surplus like we are now, we can be more liberal, whether that's a four-bag, one over 17, or as will be the case with some of the four-bag, one over 20. And um, But we've got a number of fish in the population from age you know, one or two up to age four, um, even age five. I guess we're already into 2022. So um, we're, we're, we're seeing that population of mature fish swell a little bit, and that's where the, the increased opportunity for harvest is coming from from a regulation standpoint. And then just looking out, out the window here at, at all the ice on the lake still <laughs> and, and snow, uh, I think we're shaping up for a late ice out. If those water temps stay cool and we have that late ice out, I, I think – Red Lake will be the place to be the first several weeks of the season. It doesn't sound like you you see or feel anything intrinsic to the lake or, or um, you know, persistent in the lake that that causes you any concern. No, yeah, we're we're um, you know one of the ways I describe it sometimes to our to our you know citizen advisory committee is that walleye populations are always going to fluctuate, and that that's a that's due to their nature and the way that they spawn their their life history strategy of being those broadcast spawners. Um, you know, a big mature female might have 100,000 eggs, and she spreads them all out, and if conditions are good and a bunch of those fish live, that's good reproduction. If conditions are poor and 100,000, all 100,000 eggs die, well, that's not as good. So so they're going to fluctuate um, no matter what we do and how actively we manage the population. But now if we just think back to maybe something you might see on Lake Finder, we're not fluctuating between three or four walleyes per net and 20 walleyes per net. Now we're fluctuating between, like, uh, 25 to 50 walleyes per net, and so um, even though we we do still have the the ebb and the flow, if, if 25 or 30 walleyes per net is the low point, you know the lake is still in really good shape. Um, so uh, as we wrap it up, the question we always ask: You're the teacher, Red Lake is your student. What grade are you giving it? Well, last year certainly it was probably in the B range, but given the forecast for this upcoming open water season, I. I think I think it's going to be an A all the way, and and I heard, did hear a rumor that maybe Leach was an A minus, so it, it's got to be at least a little better than Leach. <laughs> well, Carl will be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> you can't let him get away with it. <laughs> no, no. Tony Kennedy is the large leg specialist out of the Bemidji area office. That means he uh, takes a, a, a big look at Cass and Red Lakes. And uh, today we were talking Red Lake. Tony, thanks for your time today. Happy to do it, Kevin.
later on in the show, the Bemidji area's first tournament of the year is coming up the second weekend of walleye season at the Bemidji Eagles Club, the Gary Newell Memorial Tournament presented by Northwoods Bait and Tackle. We'll hear from Aaron Schmitz of Northwoods later on, but up next, we're going to dive into central Minnesota fishing with Scott Mockentune of the Hutchinson Area Fisheries Office. He's also an outdoor writer, so a lot to cover with him next on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. Well, we're checking in with Scott Mockentune. He's the DNR Area Supervisor out of the Hutchinson office, but probably better known around the state of Minnesota for his outdoor writing. He does a lot of freelance stuff, uh, writes for the St. Cloud Times and the Mankato Free Press as well. Scott, welcome back to the show. Good to have you back on. Uh, thanks. thanks for having me, Kev. It's always fun to talk with the Paul Bunyan folks. <laughs> well, the Paul Bunyan folks didn't know if we'd be talking ice fishing or soft water fishing for the opener, but uh, finally went out uh, in most of our lakes up this way uh, this week. Uh, I'm assuming probably went out a little earlier down your way. Yeah, we did have uh, a little bit of a leg uh, in southern Minnesota, maybe a week, a week and a half behind. Not quite as exaggerated. I think at late winter, that was kind of my expectation looking at snowfall maps and severity of winter was somewhere on that 94 corridor perhaps or, or wherever you want to draw the dividing line, maybe north of St. Cloud, it was it was going to be markedly different. And, uh, of course, going from what feels like going from winter to summer here after having <laughs> April and March be so rotten is, is uh, we're making up a little bit of time and cutting it close to the wire for opener, but a lot of lakes will be open. Yeah, we've uh, we got most of ours open now, as I noted. Um, you know, last time I talked, uh, we talked about your area. Um, it's a little different than up here, where we got so many lakes to choose from, and it's all about lake fishing. Um, a lot more river fishing down your way. That's right. There's <clears throat> there's some connections. Uh, we've we've got some major river systems and some and some smaller ones, and all of them offer a little bit of everything. So yeah, there, that's a good way for folks to to beat the crowds uh we've got a lot of uh of folks that fish the crow river down here and and do uh pretty darn well we've got uh the cottonwood and the blue earth river and a number of uh of other tributaries to the minnesota or even some that lead back to the mississippi that uh, offer very very good fishing but uh yeah not as many lakes uh, uh you know meeker county is one of our counties that has a good number of lakes but it doesn't quite compare to, say, uh, Crow Wing or Beltrami or other other places that are chock full of lakes. Um, so, uh, where do you normally go fishing to start the season? So, <laughs> my my opening day traditions uh, kind of date back to my college years. I used to open up with some friends on Mille Lacs. Uh, eventually, uh, we started going up to Upper Red Lake, uh, mainly because it gave me uh, an excuse to go up and turn on the electricity in the water at the family cabin in Big Fork and do some fishing in the northern part, northeastern corner of the Chippewa National Forest. Um, I love to do that. I still try to do that. Um, however, there's there's 
stuff with a day job eventually uh, in in odd years does come up. There's some years that uh, we're called upon to stock walleye fry because they're coming off the hatchery batteries. There was a year that uh, we had uh, an angler survey or creel that uh, we needed to start, and I needed to make sure the creel clerk was on his toes. And uh, there was another year that we were frozen up, and the, the only option I had was to fish on the Minnesota River. So every year is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, how many people down that way do open up on the river, and how many of them find a you know a good walleye lake? So, uh, you know, just anecdotally, what I what I see in the reports that I hear, we we do get some folks that hit uh, like here in Hutchinson, the South Fork of the Crow River. We have folks that that fish it. It can have good bites at times. We have a couple impoundments on on the South Fork of the Crow River here in town, Otter and Campbell Lake, and there'll be some folks that'll fish out there. Uh, Buffalo Creek, we get folks on there. Like I mentioned, Blue Earth, Cottonwood. Um, yeah, you, you know, you get a few diehards that are out there. And then I mentioned the Minnesota River where where I guarantee if some of the accesses, especially on the downstream end, if you aren't there by, you know, five or six in the morning, you know, you're, you're, you're those, some of those accesses will fill up because everyone will be running to the good walleye spots with their boats. Um, on our lakes in the area here, I, I expect full or three-quarter full accesses. Our, our conservation officers kind of give us the report from checking folks and making the rounds. And it's, it's as much a tradition in central and southern Minnesota as it is in northern Minnesota. And it can be pretty darn good down here, particularly uh, in years like this where it, it does come in late, walleyes get their spawning done, but then our lakes warm quickly because they're shallow and they're productive and uh, the fish start to put the feed bag on. How are your shiners down there? You know, shiners, that's a that's a good question. Obviously, it's kind of a topic du jour heading into opener <laughs> yeah. and, you know, bait trapping, a lot of it being done in the northern part of the state. Uh, those folks are behind. Uh, I know just running some survey nets down here, we are picking up a few golden shiners. They're part of the diverse fish communities we have down here. I don't see a lot of trapping opportunities. More folks, most of the folks and bait trappers are getting after fathead minnows, but uh, there's, a, there's a few around, um, but I, I suspect that uh, while we we do see aquaculture uh, and, you know, legislation and different uh, industries kind of working together and talking to each other, I do think uh, in the future we'll see some sort of compromise on perhaps more shiners uh, produced in private aquaculture and uh, monetizing that, that those efforts. Well, if you had to make a prediction, you think it's going to be a pretty good opener? I do. I, I have very high hopes. Um, you know, I'll, I can just quickly run you th- run the listeners for you through a few projects down here. Collinwood Lake is is one of a half a dozen lakes we have down around Hutchinson that is a very steady walleye producer. We're pretty excited about uh, Collinwood because it's got a very high ancestry of a particular genetic strain, the lower Mississippi strain of walleyes here in Minnesota. We wanted to go in this year and do a project where we did a population estimate with fish that were jaw tagged. So we're doing a mark recapture which gives us this population estimate. And then we have a few other derived products from from this uh, experiment. We're able to get tag returns from anglers and sort of uh, get an estimate at exploitation, what percentage of the fish are being harvested or caught for that matter. We're taking uh, fin clips as a way to measure tag loss. And, and as an accessory to that, we're able to take those fin clips and send them off for genotyping. Since these are all sexually mature fish, we can see 
do we still have that very high percentage ancestry of this lower Mississippi strain? And if so, um, if it does come back and the stars align and we have high lower Mississippi strain ancestry, uh, what does our spawning stock uh, and brood stock look like here? Can we, could we potentially have this as a backup place to take eggs? Uh, and in running our nets over about a two-week period right after Easter, we were really uh, pleased with what we saw. We were able to put in almost 600 tags into our fish. We got a really nice population estimate on uh, sexually mature fish. And, of course, there's immature fish out there that are great for the, for the frying pan. Uh, the other other half dozen or so lakes are also, uh, un, I expect our, uh, those other half dozen lakes to fish very well as well with the water temperatures warming, fish still up shallow. Uh, we were doing some crappie work on Big Swan and Bell, which also have really great walleye populations. We're seeing awesome crappies out there, lots of 12 inches, as big as 15-inch fish, some 10 inches, 8 inches, good mixes of sizes and ages. And mixed up with those crappies, still hanging out in the shallow water and thus encountering our trap nets are all these walleyes, especially since our wind has been blowing down here. So I'm excited for the opener. I know other folks are too. There's, there's, there's lots of pike running around. There's lots of walleyes. And we've seen some really nice crappies if, if folks want to throw a change up at the fish a little bit. Well, you know, I think there's going to be some people that typically like to get out uh, for a couple weeks prior to the walleye opener and, and do some pan fishing that haven't had that opportunity this year. So if the walleyes decide to be quiet for a little bit, they might, they might dis- decide to do that because they haven't had the opportunity. Well, exactly. I guess that's the one, the one feather in our hat down here this year in southern Minnesota is we get to say neener, neener to everyone up north. <laughs> we, we had about a week there, including last weekend's gorgeous sunny weather, to, to get out. Our water temps just this past weekend, the week before opener, eclipsed 50 degrees, which is something of a magical mark for when those crappies really do start coming up shallow pre-spawn and starting to think about... Uh, Think about making a nest and, and getting on those first break lines and, ve- and old vegetation lines. So folks have been able to get after them a little bit, and, and that'll continue this coming weekend. I was just talking to a, a Milax guy, uh, Steve Sapaniak, and just saying, you know, uh, everybody's just going to be in a good mood. Even if the fishing is slow, they're going to be in a good mood because they didn't think a week and a half ago they were going to be even beyond water, possibly. Uh, it's going to be a decent weather weekend. They're going to be floating in a boat. Uh, fish is going to be a bonus, so I think everybody's going to be in a good mood this opener. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think a lot of us, uh, we want our anglers to be happy, you know, speaking from wearing the DNR hat for a second. We mm-hmm. want folks to be happy and get out and, and catch fish. But, uh, yeah, we're, we, we as we as, uh, as as professional fish staff are, are thinking the same thing. After getting tossed around and beat up and all that cold and waiting for it to warm up and having to work through some of those nasty conditions in April. We are just as ready as the general public to kick back a little bit, wet a line, and, and try to enjoy some nice weather for once. You know, when you do uh, a show that, that relies on um, fish reports, um, it's, you know, it's a very short one this time of year. Well, the walleyes are going to be shallow, jig and minnow. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much what everybody's going to do most of the weekend because at some point that's, that's going to work yeah, this, this time of the year. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm chuckling along with you because that's, that's, that'll, be my, my, uh, that'll be my opening day strategy. Uh, you know, it looks like I'll be in the clear to get out and do some fishing. Our, our hatcheries are still uh, waiting for those temperature units to go in on, on, the, on the walleye eggs before they need to hatch and get out there. So I'll be dragging a, a minnow around in shallow water, Seeing what's out there, and 
I guess if they're if they aren't concentrated, like I hope they'll be still, and they're a little spread out, we'll we'll hit them with some trolling. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes down here, and and that's that. that my plan is to is to be up in that Big Fork area. If however, uh, you know, for folks that are heading south to fish with family or friends, uh, yeah, I still get on. I'd still try shallow. Shallow. I'd start there, working that windward side. But yeah, you have maybe a few more options here of. Uh, working some bait over with warmer water temperatures, uh, different bait options, pulling pulling different bait types, uh, you know, and even throwing some cranks out and moving a little bit deeper. So, yeah, there's a few more options, perhaps. I was uh, checking it out. Uh, Red Lake was officially called yesterday as being open. So, and I knew most of it was open, uh, you know, on the weekend as well. So, you will be able to do that. That's a good thing. Um, and yeah, jigging meadow shallow—that's what everybody's going to be doing. I'll give you a chance, uh, Scott, to shamelessly plug your writing. Uh, any cool articles out there we should be trying to chase down? Yeah, I guess. I mean, this is one I, I usually usually separate out don't write about uh anything having to do with the day job but uh i did want to take a chance here just this last week to write about the egg takedown in lake sarah this is our southernmost minnesota walleye egg take it's kind of a fascinating read you can at least i think so but um reading about this lower mississippi strain and the the hoops that uh that we are jumping through to try to learn more about this lower Mississippi strain and and try to utilize that Lake Sarah egg take and just something that has us really fired up about walleye management in the state and what may happen. So if you want to check that out, head over to the Mankato Free Press outdoors section and, and look it up. He is Scott Mockentoon, DNR Area Supervisor out of Hutchinson, and uh, he's an outdoor writer as well, and he is uh, going to be fishing this weekend like uh, a good chunk of Minnesotans. Hey, Scott, thanks for being here today. We appreciate it. Thanks much, Kev. Up next, Aaron Schmitz of Northwoods Bait and Tackle joins me. We'll talk minnows, we'll talk Eagles fishing tournament, and we'll talk opening weekend. It's all coming up as we wrap up Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Doesn't take long before the tournaments start coming, and the first one in the Bemidji area is the Bemidji Eagles Gary Newell Memorial Fishing Tournament presented by Northwoods Bait and Tackle. Aaron Schmitz rejuvenated it last year, and he joins us now to talk about the tournament. And as long as he's here, we might as well talk a little opening weekend, too. Aaron, welcome back. Hey, Kev. Thanks for having me. So this is the uh, second year you've been involved in this tournament. Uh, it was a long-time tournament by the Bemidji Eagles. Gary Newell, of course, a long-time Eagles member, and uh, great fisherman in his own right so it was nice that we were able to get that thing going again yeah we uh i was actually really happy and really pleased that we had the turnout we did last year um most boats we've had in quite a few years it it is always one of those tournaments where it's weather dependent a lot of guys wait until the last minute to sign up and i get it sometimes it's freezing rain snowing it's been cold but uh i appreciate each and every 
angler and boat that fished it last year and hopefully we can continue it going this year and uh, keep growing this thing and get it back to where it was years ago. Well, it certainly is a is a great way to start the fishing season the weekend after opener, and uh, if the weather holds, it looks like you might be wet, but uh, you never know in in May. But it doesn't look like it's going to be like thirty or forty degrees. I think we're past that now. Right. It's it it shows a little rain in the forecast, but uh, it, temperatures are much warmer, so we'll take that. Well, it looks like you know. Also, we're you know the 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 ice is out now. Uh, it's made a mess of things, uh, certainly for some people, but it's out. Um, I think the opener is going to be good. I would think the first few weeks of the season are going to be very good this year. Yeah, I think it, it's all dependent on where the guy's fishing. Um, I'm hearing water temps, you know, anywhere from 40 to 50 degrees, depending on the lakes right now. Um, the The downfall is that the one bait of choice that everybody's after <laughs> is still eluding all the trappers. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We got a few days of nice warm weather here, so hopefully we can uh, we can get some of those spot tail shiners in our tank. But with Red Lake just going out, you know, Sunday or whatever it was. Actually, I think there's still ice out there. Someone texted me today, piled up on the north end. But uh, it takes time for those lakes to warm up. I mean, even when the temperature is 60, 70, we got to make sure that the overnight temperatures don't get too low and cool off what we made during right. the day. Right. Uh, and, and that week, this week it's been good um, temps in the mid forties and stuff at night. So we're, we're making some progress. Um, it's, it's still yet to be determined though. Well, for the competitive anglers that uh, are itching to get out there and do a tournament, this is a good one. It's uh, it's also kind of a preview, possibly, for some of the people fishing the uh, Knights Columbus Walleye Classic a few weeks down the road. So um, how do we get involved in this? Right. So need everybody to get down to the Eagles Club. Um, go see Dick and the guys down there, and they'll get you signed up. It's it's two-person teams. Uh, the tournament is May 21st. Uh, we'd like to have everybody signed up as soon as possible. Uh, we know there are going to be some people who sign up late. So no registrations after the rules meeting on May 20th. Um, it, it's going to be a catch, photo, and release tournament on the Fish Donkey app. Um, which is also going to be the same app we're using for the Knights of Columbus. So it's a little time for people to get out there and practice using it. A uh, very good app, and most of the guys have used it before, so it's not going to be something completely new, but um, just confidence and peace of mind, I guess. It uh, seems like it's kind of a uh, standard tournament, standard rules, but uh, break them down for us. Yeah, it's uh, going to be your best six fish. Uh, minimum length must be 14 inches um, for for the two anglers, and there's going to be a 75-boat limit. Uh, and we'll leave, uh, check everybody in and leave the access in and start fishing at 7 a.m. And teams uh, are done at 3.30. And then everybody will come back to the Eagles Club uh, and have a nice meal. And hopefully uh, get your name in the hat for some raffle prizes. And if you're lucky enough, uh, cash a check. So what's the what's the top prize in this one? Uh, it all depends on how many entries we okay. got. But, uh, you know, we, we do have some very fortunate uh, sponsors um, and we are guaranteeing the thousand dollar big fish so most of the money aside from you know the eagles paying for the food and stuff like that it's pretty much 
hundred percent payback minus expenses. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all a good thing for everybody, and it's uh, obviously a memorial for Gary and a lot of people continue to fish it year after year just because of that. So it is a very well ran tournament. Uh, Dick and the guys out at the Eagles have always done a good job at it. Um, they were a little hesitant last year with it going to an app base, so they got me involved, and uh, I said I would help, and here I am again. Okay, well, I would think a lot of the tournament anglers and a lot of the guys that, that, that you know, are, are fishing-savvy guys, they probably got the Fish Donkey app on their phones already. Right. A lot of guys have used it before. I've used it, you know, when we opened the bait shop four years ago. We used it for our fishing leagues back then, um, and now we're getting back to using it again. So if you got any questions in regards to it, you haven't used it before, I mean, you can get a hold of me. Um, or you can call Dick down at the Eagles, go see him, and he can talk you through some of it. But we're, we're here to answer any questions and any concerns that you may have in advance. And what are the, uh, what are the waters you can fish? Uh, Bemidji, Lake Irvin, and anything in between. So Okay. And uh, what's the cost? Uh, cost is 300 bucks a team, plus uh, you must make sure that you're registered as an Eagles member, and I believe that's 40 bucks. Okay. 45 bucks, something like that. And again, get down to the Eagles to get registered prior to the rules meeting which is the Thursday night before the tournament that is correct we have uh, we have entry or registration forms and, and flyers at Northwoods bait and tackle uh, as well as Dick's got some down at the Eagles Club so stop into either of them get yourself some information and get signed up uh, let's go out and fish and have a great time okay and of course this weekend opening weekend no no surprises jig and minnow uh, shallow. It's just a matter of whether we can get the the, the minnow of choice. Or right. Not. I I think that uh, we're what I'm hearing and seeing is there's a fair amount of walleyes that are spawned out, if not all of them already. Um, but hopefully they got their feed bags on. Uh, I would recommend a jig and a minnow. Whether it's you know the preferred bait of choice is obviously a spot tail, mm-hmm. um, goldies, rainbows, fatheads. It uh, it's going to be interesting season. I'm going to tell you that, Kev. It's <laughs> With the winter we had, all the snow we had, the cold, um, there's going to be a concern for a lot of baits this summer. Um, A lot of ponds froze out. I mean, I deal with one of the largest bait suppliers in the Midwest, and it's he was crippled this winter. Mm. So I am fortunate that I got a lot of other resources out there, and I don't know, I probably got only 20 guys chasing spot tails for me right now, but uh, if the bait's out there and the bait's able to be had we'll have her you can only do what you can do right yeah not sleep at (laughs) night that's what i do aaron thanks for stopping by appreciate it hey thanks kev gonna have a great show friday as we're going to be at the governor's fishing opener at norway beach visitor center in the heart of the chippewa national forest but tomorrow another spotlight show as we put the spotlight on the brainerd lakes area with mark bachigalupi the brainerd area fishery supervisor and toby kavalivog of leisure outdoor adventures in to preview the opener too that's it for today i'm kev jackson thank you for being here fishing bonbon country This has been the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. Sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grand Haven Campground. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. And don't forget, you can listen to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country on KB101 FM and KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 weekdays, as well as Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Saturday mornings on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5, B93.3 in Brainerd-Baxter, and Kick FM in Alexandria. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. 
And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.